0: Hey
1: everybody, David here, and welcome to the ASOG Podcast. In this episode recorded live at ADAPT 2022, Lucas and I sit down with Ben Johnson, the Director of Product Management at Mitchell One. Are they always looking to block your average aftermarket repair shop from getting critical information, including service information and vehicle telematics? Are we facing a future where critical tooling and information becomes completely inaccessible to the average independent repair shop we discuss this and more but before we get started make sure you have a set to automatically download the latest episode on your favorite podcast listening app leave us a review and make sure you check out our content on youtube and now here we go
0: Ben, what is your job description? What is it that
2: you do? Well, I am the director of product management at Mitchell One, which uh, means when things are going well, a lot of people take credit for it. When <laughs> things go bad, they come
0: looking for me. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. So, Ben, you are you're really in a lot of the aspects of the industry right now. I've yes. seen you a lot of places, and so I, I think you've got a little bit better perspective than a lot of us do on what's coming our way as far as technology goes and some of these access restrictions we have. Right. Right. And, and so I, I was on a panel, um, I was on a panel this week and it had OEs and it had independent shop owners on it. Mm-hmm. And there was a discussion and, and one of the owners brought up right to repair and, and data access and all these things. Now being that I have been to ETI for three years in a row now, When the shop owner started talking, I'm thinking, oh, man, right? Like, And and it wasn't that he was ill-informed. He was informed by the association he worked with. Right. But when the conversation really began to dig in, the OEs were saying, now, wait a minute. I don't think you got the whole story. I don't think you saw the whole picture. There's a lot more to this, and there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot that goes on with this. Yeah. Tell us what we need to know as we begin to move forward with this. Well, relative to right to repair
2: specifically, um, so first of all, I just want, you know, there is very few, if any, you know, car manufacturers that are like blocking us from getting access to information, hey, right? Yeah. So Mitchell yeah. one, we we work with pretty much all the OEs right. uh, and uh, they are usually very cooperative and, and, you know, we have agreements with them so that we get that information and make sure that it's available to all the independent repair shops and things like that. So where it seems to have you know come into this contentious state is around the ability to get you know, cuz as these vehicles become more technologically advanced the the vehicle itself is now capable of sending information out right so you know in um, you know in and what the aftermarket is contending is that that information can be played back in the dealership or the service environments uh advantage. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you drive a car and suddenly you get an email from your dealership saying, hey, we just got a notification. It's time for an oil change, time for tire rotation, right. whatever it is aftermarket is saying hey we want that ability we want to be able to do that we want to be able to take that same information at the customer's request the car owner's request right and say where do you do you want your dealership to send it to you because that's fine or do you want you know joe's garage to send it to you right and that's really the the, the contentious issue that seems to be coming around and You know, the OEs argue that, you know, they can't really – that there's a lot of information there that could be considered private. There's a lot of information in there that could be hacked or used to, you know, control the vehicle or do something bad. And so there's – and that's where I think the um, OEs and the aftermarkets kind of have put the stake in the ground is that the OEs want – to they they really want to pursue something called extended vehicle, which is uh something that's been debated in Europe as well quite a bit. And that would be is that the you know each garage would like make an agreement with each OE and right. say, well, here oh brand A, I want to access, and they say, Well, we'll decide, you know, okay, you want this, well, we're not gonna give you all that, but we'll give you some of it. Mm-hmm. And the OEs kind of uh hold the the keys of that right. to that car, if you will, pun intended, I guess. Um, where the uh, aftermarket uh, historically just doesn't really trust that, and there, there's some technology challenges that go with that. They make it not so easy to do. You got to be online all the time. You, you, there's some things that, is, as car people, we know aren't really practical. I mean, right. we got to be on the road doing road tests and things. We got to be able to access some of this stuff, you know, uh, in various ways um so the aftermarket is working actually with uh, SAE and some others to develop what they call secure vehicle gateway which is a way that we believe or they believe that um the that that could solve this and actually put the control with the consumer right. instead of with the automaker and that's that's really the battle that's being fought right now and um you know and there were some you know there were some loopholes in the right to repair original Massachusetts thing that um you know uh, there's a couple of newer EV companies out there that don't have franchise dealer operations that right. you can't get repair information for. And so right. the way they get around that is the way that the right to repair is currently written is that if you're, they've got to make the information available to the independents, the same information they make available to their franchise dealerships. Well, well if you don't
0: have franchise dealerships, you, you don't have to do it. Right.
2: So that's stuff that, uh, is all being, you know, rectified with the new right to repair as well as with the Repair Act, the federal act that is, uh, being pursued. Right. So a lot, a lot of things, a lot, a lot of moving parts. But you know, I don't believe that at a general level that OEs really, I I mean, I think that when you can get them into the, the room and actually have a,
1: Lucas and I have been telling you about parts tech for a while now
0: Click the link in the show notes to get started. Good
2: discussion. Most right. people still just want to get the car fixed. Exactly. They, they still just want to, you know, it's not yeah. that there's somebody, a big, ominous, you know, yeah. somebody over there just saying, we're not going to do it. We're trying to kill the aftermarket. I mean, they even know that if, uh, you know, if the aftermarket ceased to exist tomorrow, it'd be a lot of unhappy customers. Exactly. Because the dealership networks just couldn't handle, nor do they really want to. They actually want the older vehicles to, to slide off and so that they can service the customers that they're selling now, um, right. and do that properly. But, you know, it's just, I think there's a lot of emotion that gets into it and a lot of, you know, somebody says a wrong thing here or there. And, uh, it, you'd like to believe that if we can ever get through this. And I think there's some pretty important battles being fought in Massachusetts right now that, but it, right. once that can ever settle down, I think the, The lawyers are probably the ones that are fighting where nobody else – everybody else just wants to
0: sit down and get along. Yeah. Well, and and that's kind of what I've taken from it, right? And I've heard a lot of people say, including some of the OEs, like, hey – this this probably wouldn't have been as much of a deal as it was if it hadn't been for it getting taken the direction that it went we probably right. could have come up with something that everybody could have worked but then we've got some who may not want to participate quite as well as the others right
2: and that, and that's what always happens right it's like e- even in the uh, current state you know like i say most manufacturers are very open with the information there are a few uh, that you know are open as much as they interpret they have to be, but maybe right. to get to some of the you know, like one of the things we 're very interested in, of course, especially with the uh, electronic complexity of the vehicles, is right. the diagnostic process for electronics and There are a couple of OEs that have said to get that, you have to buy our diagnostic tool, and that information is embedded in Into that tool, tool. Yeah. well, a lot of independent shops don 't have you know fifty or sixty thousand dollars yeah. for that particular tool they want to be able to use their aftermarket tool, aftermarket information. And right. so there's a there's a couple and there's always the just a couple that don't really play ball like everybody else and right. they
1: they kind of, kind of cause. Who makes you know? that stupid tool so so expensive? Uh, they do. <laughs> yeah, I know that's that's stupid. And you, you think yeah. that maybe that's a that's a way in make the tool affordable? I don't know what that would look like, but you got to think. There's no reason to make. St- it's it's a laptop with some software in it. There's no reason right. it's thirty thousand dollars, other than you just want to make it thirty thousand well, dollars. You because... got the subscription, and then you got the yeah. I get it, but right. you know, it, yeah. It the other OES fun. will sell you their tool for fifteen hundred dollars, and oh, you and buy the subscription, you're good. And that's a thing. And it's it's
2: you know there are OES that have actually told me to my face, is you know we're not we're not charging you for access to our information because we want to make sure that wherever our brand car happens to need service we'd of course love it if a dealership took care of that car but we more importantly don't want the customer to feel like they have to go to the dealership like they're stuck out in you know wherever it is and there's not a dealership nearby that somebody can get to the information to make sure that car's right and there's others that try to turn information and you know diagnostic tools or whatever into a profit center and that's you know our argument is that
1: that's not Really, if you focus on building a good car, that's, right. that's really what you ought to be focused. I'm worried yeah. about them. I mean, I'm okay with them making some money on it, but there's, yeah. you know. I mean, there's a cost associated, right? For sure. Them,
0: for them to to provide that information and provide that tool if we want to buy their tool yeah. or provide whatever it is, there's got to be a cost but associated. But there's no
1: reason why I can buy ISTA from Seth for what he like It's under $6,000. And it, with the laptop and the year or subscription, whatever it happens to be, it's affordable yeah. if I'm going to get into hardcore BMW. But I want to buy the Ben's tool.
2: It's not affordable. That is not affordable.
0: Ben's like, please stop what talking is it that, about yeah. that.
1: <laughs> but
2: if you, but you're right. If you look at it as a bag of parts, uh, yeah. there's probably not a
0: $200
2: difference in cost, actual cost right. to build it yeah. from one to another. Yeah. So, and it's all in, you know, like every other price, right? It's a matter of what somebody's willing to pay for it. And, you know, I think some people argue, and one of the things that has never really been, um, defined and i think it should have been i think it's a it's something that when they even all the way back before the right to repair but into the uh, uh the original emissions acts when they kind of said you got to make this stuff available at fair and reasonable cost nobody ever went back and defined how do you how do you calculate what fair and reasonable cost is right because right i can tell you we've got people that are you know just from the repair information side people that are zero people that are far from zero and yeah. people that i would argue it's not fair and reasonable but you know there's no alternate source so right we pay it and unfortunately the shops end up paying it then you know yeah. when you know it's like when we go up in our price or one of our competitors goes up in their price it's not always because we're just trying to milk the market or trying to right. get super rich it's because our costs go up because they raise those those fees and so it's you know it's challenging sometimes and yeah. you you know you make the argument that uh yeah there is costs associated with all this but the OE has to bear that cost anyway, at least as far as development, because they've got to support their franchise dealership operations. And right.
0: So some of it, that is already in so place.
1: Yeah. That should be rolled into the cost of the car, then, and not necessarily. Well,
2: however, you know that's again that's where the
1: you know different bean counters uh-huh. figure out how they want to do that.
2: But uh-huh. and and I think some in the aftermarket would argue that that those high prices for those tools are. Intentionally set to uh, drive a hurdle for aftermarket or independents to be able to compete, right? Because the dealer and, and well, now what they'll ta- tell you is the dealerships pay that price too. They're probably no happier about it, but that's part of what you buy into when you buy a franchise, right? Your agreement is you'll buy the essential tool program and the, sometimes the that's- problem you
1: you run into is you're Benz dealer. That's all you're going to work on. <laughs> Yeah. Mostly, right. right? And so it makes sense for a specialty shop that just works on Benz right. to dump the 30000 or whatever, plus a yearly subscription to get that, that OE
0: tool. But if you're a Euro yeah. shop, I yeah. mean, you're going to go aftermarket. Well, you know, I, I think you were there. You were at ETI in Charlotte, weren't you? Uh, not in Charlotte. Is that I guess that was three years ago. Yeah, I did not ago. get to that one. So and if... if Long story short, one of the stories that I told on that panel there was a story about a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter, and it was owned by a fleet in my town, and they had a fleet of these things, and they're HVAC technicians, right? Mm -hmm. And they brought up the point that, hey, this thing goes into DEF lockout, right? I'm driving it, and it runs out of DEF fluid, or it has a DEF error. That means that I've got to tow it. And so it's three hours to the nearest dealership on a medium duty tow truck. So that's expensive. Right. And then I've got it out for three days before they can look at it. And then by the time they look at it, I've got to pay them a thousand dollars to unlock it because at the time that's what they were charging when they were brand new. They wanted a thousand dollars to unlock it. Then it was four or five hundred dollars to fix it. And they said, well, you shouldn't have let your guys drive it that far, or, you know, however much it was at the time to fix it. And, uh, so here they go through this whole process and then they've got to either send a tow truck back to get it, or they have to pull two people out of work and send them down there to get it. And I was talking to the owner and he said, you know, he said, I don't even care about that. I'm like, dude, that's like seven or $8,000. He's like, I don't care. He's like, that thing costs me $35,000 a week of gross revenue. Right. And he said, you think I'm going to keep buying these stupid things when they break down more than I can run them? Because if two of them break down, that that is a substantial piece of my revenue for a small business in one week, right? You know. Plus, you got to deal with you know your obligations, and you have got a couple of yeah. delivery trucks you don't have that can Absolutely. perform those services. So and so, it just seems odd to me that they continue to hold that firm of a line, almost as if they could care less. And and I, I don't I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case. But there's on the other side, there's been the argument that they want to know that we're professionals that they want to know that that we're legitimate that we are insured that we're providing the type of experience their client deserves and that we're upholding the image of that, you, you know, they don't right. want your—they don't want their vehicle coming to your shop and you talking bad about it, or you destroying it and saying, "Look, it's a piece of junk Mercedes Benz or whatever it may be." Right, right. That is part of the brand image in in our shops just as much as it is in their shops. Right. And so, what do you say to that? Do we need to work on that professionalism aspect of our industry? Well, you know, that's a good question. That, that
2: could uh, could drive us quite a quite a ways. It, <laughs> I think that. I, I do I, – you know, I'm not a big fan of regulation and legislation and all that. I, I, I kind of feel like in most cases I'd like for us to just figure out how to shake hands and get along. Yeah. I do feel that, you know, the U.S. is one of the only countries that doesn't have some level of regulation, though. I mean, you, we, the closest we come to it is ASE certs, right? Right. And I still maintain a few of my own, and those things I think are the closest uh, – it wouldn't bother me. I, I would uh, – if it would help the relationship between the aftermarket and the OEs, I would actually be a proponent of saying, yeah, let's say if you're going to work on diesels, DEF systems, you've got to right. have whatever it is, the L, whatever certification or the, you know, right. and, and prove that and put it on your wall like most shops do anyway and say, right. yes, this, this is our, this is our statement that we comply and we've taken the training, we've, we've passed the skills tests, we've done right. all the things. Because you know, like everything else, I mean, we we we're picking a little bit on the OEs, on the aftermarket. There are certainly some shops out there that have spoiled the spoiled the uh, apple barrel, right? I yes, mean, absolutely. We, they have really bad experiences, and it you know, I, one of the things that I have been concerned about is like with ADOS, mm-hmm. and you know, it's it's you know, I talk to shops all the time, and most of them. Still say, I don't work on ADOS. I said, you don't understand. You are working on ADOS. <laughs> right, Advanced driver yes. assistance systems. When you replace a radiator on a Cadillac, you had to move yeah. a little box out of the way to get to it and put that box back. And now you're in the ADOS business. And yeah. they said, what are you talking about? I said, you did it right, but you got to calibrate that thing now. And most of them don't even know it. So they're still learning. Yeah. It. It's not, nobody's doing it intentionally, but my, my point is, is that, you know, I just, and it, it hasn't happened yet that I'm aware of. Although today Chris Chesney kind of hinted that there may be some things coming, where there's been some you know some issues where people have done routine jobs on vehicles, put them out, and that ADAS isn't performing the way it should, and caused accidents and bodily harm, yeah. and maybe worse. Yeah. And that's what scares me: is that when this stuff starts happening, yeah. we just gave. The car manufacturers, who to their credit do provide yep. the, tra- they train those dealership techs. They know what's expected. Yep. They know what to do. We have that available, but it's not mandatory, right? Right. And and
1: we said it like two or three years ago when when we went to Austin. Yeah, nothing's going to change until someone gets sued. Right. Because yep. that's when we all of a sudden we found out that yeah, you're right, and it's in service information, right? Yep. Hey, I have this little box has to be moved. By the way, calibration is required after touching it. Yep. But you know, some of these shops either don't have service information or whatever, and they're they're not looking to see. It's just a radiator. I just got to pull it out, put right. it in, and I'm done.
0: Well, and and so I've I've told this story multiple times recently about a a, a truck that that uh, was worked on in a repair shop. And long story short, it came in and they said check the brakes, and they wrote on ticket check and fix brakes, and a brake line blew out it was on a commercial truck and it led to a multi-million dollar lawsuit and somebody getting in a bunch of trouble over it right right and and all they wrote on the ticket was fixed brakes well at the end of the day when all the investigators showed up at the tow lot and started taking this this flatbed truck apart they found a brake line that was rusty and so then when it comes time to, to go to court and talk about this, did you inspect the brake lines? Well, if it doesn't say on there, i inspection brake lines on the ticket. I, I, I don't get it. It's been a year ago. It's been two years ago. I can't remember. Right. Right. And so even the most basic and important safety system on an automobile today, especially on a medium duty truck, right, is still being overlooked as a basic safety component. How do we explain that for ourselves? Now I, I talked to Donnie. The, the problem, though, is that that's like that's way more direct.
1: So it'd be the equivalent would be like check ADOS system, and it's like checked, it's fine, it's right? Like, okay, but and you then you've you got errors and omissions. So insurance if your
0: guys just. But yeah. and this
1: is the difference now is that normal repairs that weren't that didn't require. And I can see that. Yeah, Like, fancy whatever. Now, all of a sudden, you, you are no longer in the radiator business. You are no longer in the alignment business on some OEs. Right. You, on alignment, you have the, the kid that just got out of tech school doing alignment, say, on your rack. You, you, nobody's looking at service information to, to see that that requires a calibration. And sometimes the alignment machine doesn't tell you accurately. You just put a 2019, it starts telling you the car doesn't even have ADOS. Or maybe it does. (laughs) <laughs> right? right well in the one statement you made too which
2: is i talked to a lot of people a lot of different groups and stuff and i i if you ever put on an ro checked or calibrated ados system you just bought yourself a whole heap of trouble yeah because first of all ados is not a single thing right exactly. it's, it's a collection of things and so if i change the thrust angle on during an alignment and i look up um our product does a pretty good job of telling you so this this one has a front radar sensor, for example, and you need right. to calibrate it. And I calibrate that radar sensor and then I say, calibrated ADOS. I just took responsibility for, for that the whole, whole car. car. And yeah. I don't <laughs> not I don't know what anybody else might have done. I don't know if there's a side sensor or something. Right. I didn't affect it. I shouldn't have affected it or affected it, but because I stated that. So I I tell people very specifically, t- you tell your story, tell yeah. your story. It's right. like re- calibrated front radar, calibrated right. side sensors, calibrated windshield glass camera, whatever it is. But don't ever take responsibility for that whole car
0: unless you did. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, it, it it comes down to what that shop did. Right. Right. And, and should they have checked the rest of the brake lines? Yeah, they should have checked the rest of the brake lines. But they didn't. Right. And all they put was fixed brakes. Right? And, uh, you know... I don't know what to say about that, and and, and I, I think that the bit, the bigger
1: issue here is how how do you how do you get the word out to the average independent repair shop that like we're saying it's the game has changed. You're not in, you're not replacing normal components. So in this
0: exact same scenario, this shop wouldn't have cared. If, if if you went and said this to them today, they wouldn't have cared, right? I'm sure they care now because right. they got bit. Right right but I mean
1: if but doesn't that serve as the cautionary tale I mean how, how many times have we seen the the videos of the EPA busting in and you know jacking up a shop that has been doing EGR deletes and for, for, and yeah and, and and whatever for forever and a day and all of a sudden all of a sudden the guy's sitting there like you know taping the the <laughs> EPI EPA agents carrying boxes out of his shop he just got shut down by the government because he was, you know, he got bit. And so what is everybody everybody's afraid to do it now. Yep. Everybody's afraid to do it. If they're doing it, they're doing it way underground. Yep. They're not telling yep. anybody, they're not writing yep. receipts, they're not like they're doing it on the DL.
2: Yeah, and you know, and it, it and it is, you know, back again, credit to the cars we have today. Man, back in the early days of emission controls, when those cars, you know, the EGR valves were introducing surges in cars that were just like designed in. You, you right. buy, you sell a brand new car and it, it, you, the next day they'd be back complaining about the way it drove. It was hard. It was hard not to because you wanted to satisfy your customer, right.
0: right? Yeah.
2: But today, these cars, I mean, you don't need to foul up with this stuff. It's, right. The cars run so well. I mean, you just, right. they perform it, well the way they do. Unless were it's built. a
1: Ford.
0: But other than. <laughs> And works for Ford, didn't you? Know? <laughs> he doesn't. That's no, why but, I said it. <laughs> no, I did
2: a I did a bad thing today, though. I guess I guess Ford's in the audience, and I made a, a <laughs> I made a joke about the Ford Mach and uh, the 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 advanced cooling system that they've got for some of the batteries and all that. And I said, "Look, guys," I said, "It's a Ford. In seven years, it's going to leak." You know right? And I guess uh, some of. Them, Oops! <laughs>
0: you see, Chris just turned funny colors over there on the side. They gotta know.
2: Like it's, 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 it's not directed at Ford. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of them that would be leaking. But <laughs> okay, okay. Let's, let's face it, we've all yeah, been there. yeah. Well,
0: and and you know, I I think for the most part. Um, is pretty uh, interesting because they can laugh at themselves, and we can yeah. all have a good time. And and I, I think it stands uh, stands out what you said is is that there's no man up here in a giant castle, you know, ruling down on anybody unless it spends, um, maybe, maybe, <laughs> right? Um, for the most part, I mean, they they sat in a room the other day and had really open conversations and yeah. said, hey, you know, know, like you don't think it's lip service? No, it's a, is it lip service?
1: I don't think so. I Some think,
2: make. you know, I think that this is, you know, the reality that we've always been in, and, you know, I, again, I don't, I don't think it has to be this way, but it feels like it's the way it always is, is that when you've got the threat and probably imminence of legislation, suddenly.
1: Yeah, they straighten you, up.
2: You want to have a conversation. Yeah. yeah. And so and it's kind of always been, when you look at the associations, you talked yeah. about ETI. ETI has always been on the kind of the, the walking the line of trying to be the liaison between the OEs and the aftermarket right. and the tool equipment providers you know, auto care and some of the others have been more representative of the aftermarket repair businesses. Right. And, you know, it's always been, and I've always, I've had arguments with uh, ETI too. They're like, well, we don't, we don't need to threaten legislation. I said, and I, and I've always said, you know, it, you'd hope not, but it seems like it's not until there's the threat that's right. looking like it's really going to happen before you guys can actually start getting the real productive conversations. And right. so yeah. I think, I hope, That we're at the point now where this stuff has got enough legs. I mean, when you got 75% of a voting constituent that says they want it this way, the legislators are not going to back down because they want to get voted back in. And so I think that, I think, I hope that people will start coming to the table now. It's about three years, four years too late. I mean, if you, if you think about it, I think that we as a, as a industry didn't get into the table soon enough. But now that it's happened the way it's happened, you know, they're, Logically and validly saying we can't meet these dates because right. we didn't get started. Now you could argue that that's not our
0: problem, but it's a problem that's got to be dealt with. And right. So one way or another. And, and, you know, one of the things that I've learned or noticed about this is a lot of the guys that we get to talk to, guys and gals that we get to talk to aren't really the ones who get to make those decisions. Right. right? And, and it's interesting because the ones we get to talk to are truly passionate car guys and gals, right? They love cars. They love working on cars. They love everything about the car. Right. Right. And so it's so neat to get to network with them and see their passions and their beliefs are very similar in an alignment with ours. Right. Right. Um, and, and in some ways, you know, but then the mothership doesn't play ball. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I, I I don't think any of us can control that. though.
1: ASC could have been our, our ticket could have been and i think they screwed the pooch uh, royally from a marketing standpoint i think they were they're they're in the business now of selling tests rather than what they should be going after is the consumer the end consumer my customer yeah they should be informing them don't go to that shop unless you see our blue seal outside
2: they don't now, do it. I'm not sure that that's still not an opportunity. I think I think you know. I, I I didn't I didn't even know. I have been kind of out of the loop, I guess, on it. But talking to the uh, ASE uh, gal today, that they've got an ADOs um, certification yep. now, which I think is huge. I think that's the pro- Totally important.
1: But I 100% I just... agree. The problem is still the co- average consumer wants their radiator put in and could give two flips. How it happens, right. I don't want my car leaking and overheating. That's it. That's it. They don't go and say, hey, turns out my car's got some fancy accident yeah. avoidance system. And it might be entirely passive, too. It may not be. It's got active cruise control. Because I don't know how many consumers. I'm like, hey, do you have active cruise control, adaptive cruise control? I don't know. Never used the button before. It's like, okay. So you don't even know. They don't even know. And it might have just accident avoidance passively where mm-hmm. it just it doesn't even tell you, hey, that yeah. car is going to stop for you. And so all they know is that they, they, they're not asking whether my techs are AAC certified and ADOS. They, they don't care. They don't even know to ask. And that's sort of the problem. Like, right. you know, I, I'm big on informing oh, and I- my consumer and saying, look, you don't want to come to me. Great. We don't have a personality thing. Like you don't like the way I do things. You may, I make you drop the car off and like there's a whole production. You don't want to do that. Fine, that's fine. But if you're going to go down the street, here's the thousand questions you should be asking because you have no idea whether that person's qualified. You just assume grease monkey, they're all the same. They're not all the same. Shop philosophy is not all the same. Commitment to training is not all the same. That shop just wants to make money. They've never sent their technicians to training. I'm closing my shop to send my technicians to training. They don't know to ask that. So the fact that they came out with a test... Not that there's anything wrong with it. Who's been, who, who helped, who do we know that to help develop this? Wasn't it Keith? Didn't Keith Perkins yeah, help, didn't he? Keith
0: Perkins or somebody, like yeah.
1: He's awesome. Yeah. And it's great that they came up with the test. Yeah. Nobody cares. No. I'm sorry. Nobody gives two flips. Ain't no shop owner that gives two flips that they came up with the test. The, the, the deranged technician and they're, they're adorable for wanting every single certification. Great. Go get it. You know what? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. And so what do we do with that? It's necessary. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, and I, I agree with you. First
2: of all, it could be better marketed, so there's yeah. that. And second of all, that might still be the way that if they ever decide they need to come up with regulation, that's probably the most close Think thing to bold. that as we have. Yeah. yeah. Now, But you touched on another point, which is interesting, is he's talking about these uh, enhanced um, electronics and things you know, there's no mandate. Uh, You know, I drive a car that has a lot of that stuff. It's got adaptive cruise and a few other things. And there's, if that thing breaks, I don't have to fix it. Right. Right. And so, and, and there's something that, you know, it is interesting that the consumers seem to like all this stuff, you know, the, you know, that it's got it and they, they like the fact they feel like they're safer, whatever. But when it breaks, And when you, you know, you point out, you do an alignment with a thrust angle, you gotta calibrate ADOS. There are certain cars I've seen that, that adds six and a half hours of time to an alignment, to take care of all the ADOS. So you take it, your $119 alignment just became, what, 900 bucks?
1: Yeah. That's you know, why that has to completely go out the window. there is no set car. I don't know how many phone right, call. I get a but, thousand phone calls a week and How much is did alignment well, sir, we don't do front end alignments. we do a four wheel alignment and it depends on what kind of car but that's, that 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 sales guy you know when, the, when he was
2: explaining all the benefits of all this technology he didn't talk about the maintenance cost just and so there's a there's oh, going no, to be a, there's the going to be a, <laughs> a reckoning and part of the yeah. Unfortunately, part of the shop's responsibility is going to be is in educating that consumer and saying, you know,
1: guess what? When you bought this, you liked it. <laughs> you might not like it so much tomorrow because you know what really screws us? Though? You get a bill. What well, really I mean, screws us is when they walk into the dealership and the dealership's not checking calibration. They're checking for codes and they're scanning it and going, there's no codes. It's calibrated. Here's your car back. And then I'm the a-hole that's going, Hey, I need six and a half hours to do this, this alignment. Yeah. And yeah, they're we, like, what are you talking about? They did it for 199 or you know, $99.95. Why are you charging me $800 to do this alignment? And I'm like, well, you see, here's the service information. I don't know what
0: they're doing, but it's the dealer. I don't know what they're doing down there. Well, you know, and, and that happened with our hunter dealer a while back because he went, he had to go to Subaru. He talked to somebody that does ADOS cal- calibration for Subaru, a Subaru technician he reached out and he said, hey, I need you to talk to somebody and get me some information, right? And so we went through Mitchell, and then we went through all data, and we found the information that we had, and then he pulled Hunter's information. And he's like, here's what we've got from them. And so we called um, Leo. And Leo's mm-hmm. like, it, it could be misconstrued. Like if you read Subaru service information, it could definitely be misconstrued that they don't want you to do that calibration. Oh, really? Just by the way they were in it. And he said, so, you know, it, it's up for interpretation. It's like state inspections in North Carolina. Everything says it's at the inspector's discretion. Well, I mean, duh, of course it's got to be at the inspector's discretion, but that means that... Do you think
1: that's how they get out of it? They're just going to very vaguely... What are you guys going to do with that? Oh, you're going to copy and paste, right? Like, <laughs> this was super vaguely worded, like, what does this mean? And I call you, I'm going to call yeah. you directly and be like, what does this mean? And be like, who is this? Yeah. <laughs>
2: Well and, and you do bring up a good point though is that you know we tend to pick on the aftermarket about maybe not paying as much attention to this as they should, but there 's nothing that says all the dealerships aren't are behaving equally either i mean no. we 're all a group of shops, whether it 's a shop that 's part of a dealership or a part a shop that 's part of an independent guy. And, you know, all, all you can do in most cases when your customer comes and says, well, they did it for this, is like if you got Mitchell, go into Mitchell and say, Mitchell says, because, by the way, this is the OE information that says yeah. you got to do this. And, oh, by the way, this is a, another big problem with ADOS is calibration our lack of calibration does not necessarily set a trouble code. In fact, it, yeah. rare, it rarely will because the part is actually working. The part is still doing its job. Trouble code set when voltages are out of alignment. You know, you get a TP sensor is open or shorted or whatever right. it might be. This part is working just fine. It's just that it doesn't know that it's now pointed five degrees to the left exactly. of what it used to be. Yeah, and it doesn't. It's going to make decisions based on that, believing that it's calibrated.
0: Right, doing so, what it's supposed to be doing. Right. Yeah. What do you do? That's a good question. You said you had hope for the industry. I do Did have hope. Did we just for the crush all that hope? I, well, no, I I I definitely think we're headed in the right direction. I I I made How's that? Well, I made Donnie sweat really bad earlier. I was talking to him and I said, Hey, I'm just telling everybody that you guys are gonna be the new barrier of entry to our industry. And he said, Please don't do that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I I think that I think through things like Okay, but we
1: have we have the guy from Mitchell, okay you guys, would you even want to stop giving information to everybody that's willing to buy the subscription and instead say, hey, we're happy to provide you this, but we need to see your VSP. We want to see XYZ credential before we give you service information.
0: Most of the shops that would not get a VSP credential – aren't even buying service information now. uh, That is wildly inaccurate. That is insane. I'm just saying there's a lot of shops that would not, the, the ones that would go out of business before they got a VSP credential probably don't have service information now right? You know how many shops don't have service information at all?
1: I, I think that's like bottom 15%. I think the, major 80, the, fact there's
0: 50, there's the fact there's 15% in our industry that don't have service information. Well, that means a,
1: almost everybody does. That's a
2: big problem. Uh, To answer your question directly, and just quite frankly, we'll sell to anybody that has a check to write. But the hope is that if they don't have the certifications or the regulations that they need, is that they're using that information to help them get the knowledge that they need to go get that.
1: Um, So, you know, now, you know, there's a very good diplomatic. It's not just a diplomatic answer. It's a very good answer. I like that (laughs) answer. It's like, well, we're going to inform them that, hey, you are missing some credentials. (laughs) Right?
2: Yeah, and And you know we do think you know one of the things that we see with shops, and i I kind of talked about it in my panel today is you know and i'm i 'm guilty of it i I owned a shop I was a tech for a lot of years to work on my own stuff, and i my instinct is to look at service information when I run up against a wall that i can 't get over it 's either like i'm i'm torquing a cylinder head and i don 't remember the sequence i 'm looking up specs like what the valve adjustment should be or whatever that might be, but i don't just look at it and'm pop the hood and say you're gonna replace the alternator, I look down, I say, well that's a thirteen millimeter, a fifteen millimeter, and a ten. Yeah. I got it. I I'm on it. I don't even look at the manual. Um and so what I've been telling people, that's the paradigm that I think has to yeah. change. is so We have to take that three or five minutes to take a look. I'm about to do this job. Let me just quickly scan over and see if there's any notes. Does it talk about this little box that's in front of that radiator? Let me see what right. that is. In, in, in Mitchell, at least, you can click that ADOS button and say, is there anything here that I'm about to do that's on this list that says, oh, if you do this, you better to calibrate it, right? And we have to start looking at that with every car, every job, just to yeah.
1: protect ourselves. I agree.
0: I, I really do. And, and that's, a, that's a very a very So and we, we just dumped
1: all of the responsibility on the technicians?
0: Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's got to be the technician's responsibility right i they're mean the ones he's the on one it. who yeah. touched the they're car they're the professional and, that and would make so sense. Y- you know I'm, look at look at aviation right and aviation to make sure program. that it's not my fault my technician did <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but i mean you know what i'm saying though like it. look at an airplane Right. Whoever yeah, worked on that airplane last.
1: I would hate to work on an airplane. You oh, like? Did I tighten
0: that bolt? Well, <laughs> well, you remember. You remember
1: the? Uh, nope.
2: You remember? <laughs> well, it's actually, interesting. A little bit off subject, but we at Snap On, we actually sell into that critical industries. We call it right. the airplane, space, uh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they have toolboxes that literally every tool is inventoried. And when you check out a tool, you check it out on the box. You, you tell it, I want to get this tool. It unlocks that drawer. You take it. It knows it's gone. And when you're done with that job, before you can release that aircraft or whatever it is, you have to say, I'm done with the job. And it validates it. Yep. All the tools were put back in place because let's face it, you leave a tool on the, you know, some of these and that high pressure wind hits it. Yeah. Suddenly a 13 millimeter wrench becomes a shrapnel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Device. Right. But there, there's, there's things to do there. But, um, it's, it's an, but, but, you know, we talked about the, down to the technician again. Everybody's familiar with the collision case of yeah. that Honda that got, yeah. yeah. You know, John Eagle. John and that Eagle, was, yeah. Yeah. And that was just a technician. He, I'm, I'm sure, again, nobody did anything intentionally wrong. He probably wasn't trying to shortcut. He just didn't look at the manual or just thought he was doing it right or thought it was good enough. Yeah.
1: Well, it wasn't. I, I think he thought it would be stronger. Yeah, yeah, that's what he said anyway. And it, yeah, it yeah. would be structurally stronger, but the problem is it didn't allow for the, for right. the crumbling. Right. And the thing that scares me is,
2: you know, again, kind of focusing on ADOS a little bit, but I was at another conference a few years ago, pre, pre-COVID, pre so it's been a few years ago, um, and somebody actually, we were, we were having a discussion about ADOS, and somebody said, well, I've got a, 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 a car, it was a Nissan Sentra is what it was, that he'd rented, and he said the darn thing, he came up to an overpass and it stopped. Like, for no good reason. Yeah. So, right. And we, so we said, you know, a bunch of ex technicians, let's go tear it up. So we pulled the grill off, we pulled the hood up, and sure enough, that car had been, had hit something. And we think it was actually, cause we called the rental agency later, they right. said they had no record of it. So we think a renter actually nudged that car up against something, bent the bracket so that that forward camera was aimed up, Right. So it made total sense then, right? You're saying it, yeah, a bridge that, j- you yeah, just right. saw that it as saw it. suddenly an object and it hit the brakes. Right. Um, so you, and my point in that story is whoever, and we don't think anybody actually worked on that car, but again, you go back to replacing that radiator or condenser or something, you did assume responsibility. If that ADOS yeah. system was working properly when the car came in and the person drives it out, hits automatic cruise and smacks into somebody,
0: you are totally liable. Yeah. My, my brother's, uh, my older brother bought a car from Carvana that had had a minor collision. And one afternoon he was riding down the road, I mean, running 65, 75 mile an hour. And it went into an emergency stop for absolutely no reason, cars behind him. And it was just luck of the draw that nobody hit him or, or, you know, and so, you know, we, I think there's only so many times you dodge that bullet. Right. Before something happens. It Mm -hmm. does it in front of a tractor trailer and you got your kids in the car or, you know, God knows what before something happens with it. And, and I, I I don't think you get out of it. I don't think that you can circumvent it because the insurance company is looking for somebody. Right. Right. If if there's a major loss, they're going to investigate every single possibility. And and let's face it, throw you
2: know, so the legal and, and all that. And
0: nobody wants to be responsible for that, right? No, I, I don't want. No, I don't want no, to hear no, that no, some
2: no. car I worked on, something like that happened. Yeah. Gosh, I, said, no, I would. I, they That's they sick, probably
0: man. could. They probably yeah. couldn't
2: do anything to me that would be worse than I exactly. did to
0: myself. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> exactly. That would be sickening. I mean, that would yeah, just be really terrifying. And and you know, you're exactly right. And and that the case with that truck. I mean, that man really got hurt. Uh, it was it was nasty. It was bad and so his life will forever be impacted. Yep. And and not only am I sure they feel bad about it, but now in that situation because they feel bad about it and this guy absolutely hates him and it's, their family hates him and you know, it's a deal. And having to sit in court across from those people, man, you know? And and to think that all it takes is 10 15 20 minutes of researching service information. Right. Making good notes, taking an extra second to look at that part. But they got to beat book time. Yeah. It's a good, <laughs> it's a good point, David. <laughs> it's a good point.
1: It's almost like we need to get away from that. Yeah. Put a little bit less pressure on the technicians and say, I'd prefer you be safe and take 10, yeah. or at least roll that into the repair. And that's that's I'm the argument 20. that
2: Chris Chesney made today on the panel. He said, you know, because I kind of made that comment. I said I, I real and why we did what we did because ADOS is a really funny technology because again, it's not a thing, it's a collection of stuff. So right. we say you got to always research it, but where do you look? I mean, it's yeah. not there's no category for that. And that's why we kind of mine the data, f- find any term that we believe equals our definition of ADOS and we we get it out there. But um, you know, and I was talking about that and I said, you know, it's worth the, you know, whatever it is, 10, 15 minutes of research time. And I said, I realized flat rate guys, you know, that's hard to justify. They, they, they want to be working under the hood. Um, and Chris said, well, these things really shouldn't be flat rate anymore. This should be, yeah. we, we're doing it right, not fast. And yeah.
0: Um, Well, you know, there there was a case, we were talking about aviation earlier, there was a case where there was a grease zerk that was hard to reach on a specific airplane on the jack shaft in the back of it. hmm. And they they had only been greasing one zerk and they were wiping grease on everything else and they found that it wasn't enough. And even though they had even, they went back and changed the service procedure to say that they could do it like that. And wow. because it was taking too much time, they were continuing to modify the process. And it ended up causing a major crash that killed a lot of people. And, and you know, they go back and they investigate and they pinpoint this. I mean, how much, you know, how, th- there's a movie and it, it's, uh, I can't remember the name of it. It's talking about 9-11 and how they determine the value of a human life. And it's just terrible. I mean, it, it's a really sad movie to watch. But you think about that. What, what of your time is worth a human life? I mean, you're really worried about saving 15 minutes. You're worried about saving 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I don't, it's worth more than, more than that to me. Right. Yeah. And well, yeah,
1: for the individual person, I I think, but you know, when you're a company and you're mitigating costs, like there's an, there's a dollar amount. It's like, well, as long as at 11 people killed, we're okay. At 12, it starts to get expensive. <laughs> That's, that, I mean. <laughs> you you ever seen the Milton Friedman, uh, and, uh, what's, what's the big fat guy that does the movies? Michael Moore. Michael Moore and, and Milton Friedman. Are you familiar with Milton Friedman? No. Uh, no, I don't think so. He's awesome. Greatest guy ever. Anyway, so, uh, Milton Friedman's a, a famous economist and he's a big free market guy, and, you know, like uber libertarian. Um, Michael Moore when he was like in you know, early 20s a college student stood up there and he was asking him about the Ford Pinto. And Milton Friedman in you know it from a Mike, from Michael Moore's standpoint he was saying uh Ford was evil for doing what they did. And Milton Friedman said it's just a dollar. So at how much more cost were you willing to to put into the cost of the vehicle and then pay as a consumer? To mitigate the damage being caused by the rear end damage and, and the exploding fuel tank thing and, and he goes ford made that determination it was this this line we will get to this point in the cost of the vehicle and we understand there's a risk here now maybe they didn't do a good job <laughs> of properly articulating the risk but yeah. they drew that line and it's just it's a dollar amount at the end of the day that's what it is and you take on that risk saying, I don't want to pay me as the consumer. I don't want to pay the extra cost in, 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 if the consumer to buy something more. If the more, consumer
0: doesn't know or understand that risk is there, though, right? You don't get on an airplane. But that, now you're
1: just pleading ignorance because there's a risk to absolutely everything you do. Is. Okay, well then you're just choosing to not discuss that risk or even look into it, and saying somebody needed to spoon feed me that information when really it's it's on you. I think there is a uh, you
2: know one of the things with our society and with technology that we're using you know we do use less and less of the human brain and more and more of you know artificial intelligence you know whatever, and it's interesting because as you were talking I was I reflected back. Several years ago now, when we were first starting to really talk about autonomous vehicles and and all that, and remember they were all going to be here by twenty twenty two. So <laughs> right, right, you know, yep, absolutely. Uh, that was talked about for a while. But I was in a conference, um, actually, um, in California somewhere, and there was a bunch of these Silicon Valley folks talking about how they were going to change the world with this, and 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 they were doing this and that, and and I I think I actually brought it up and said something about, because I, I think Tesla just had their first real accident, you know, and I said, yeah. so, you know, why you guys are building out these zones of testing and all that, what are you going to do about, you know, or I said something like, because I think it's still a, a question that hasn't really been dealt with in that is that if the car gets in an accident, because it will ultimately, yeah. who's at fault? If, if my car, if I've got a car, doesn't matter the brand and that car algorithm screws up and it hits something or somebody i wasn't driving it so am i responsible i mean heck can i get a dui i mean right <laughs> I'm, not, exactly. I'm not driving it but you know and, and the the girl was uh talking she was from a university in the midwest i probably shouldn't call her out too much but <laughs> she said uh she said well we understand your concerns but these systems will be so safe that no matter whether that we we recognize to your, to your point, David. I mean that we recognize there will be some errors, but far less people will die because of this than die because of human interaction today. And I said, well, that sounds really good until you're the person whose daughter exactly. just got hit. I mean, exactly. And, and yeah. I think that's what that is a concern as we keep evolving. Um, el- electronically and you know trying to do this better overall thing is we start looking at numbers and stats and we forget the very real that personal impact that these mistakes will have yeah. and yeah. i don't know how to re- reconcile that because bo- every both single are right, tesla right?
1: accident I th- every single time that a tesla accident comes out they always come out and they go it was human error the system was working the way it was
0: supposed to, and at the last minute. Well, they, they said the same thing about the 737 Boeing, right? The 737 uh, MAX 8. MAX 8, yeah. That's what they kept saying. It was human error. It was human error. It was human error. It wasn't- it, no, it was not human error. <laughs> it was, well, it was MCAS flying the plane into the ground. And, and relative to AVs, I mean, th- this is actually
2: a, uh, contentious point with me, is I, I kind of think that they should have stopped at like L2, you know, adaptive cruise, whatever. Yeah. And not done anything until they had true level five or whatever the, the max is because they, I mean, they're probably right. It probably, in most cases, it is doing what it's supposed to do. And in most cases, they, well, they tell you right now is that the driver still has to be attentive and ready to take over at a moment's notice, right? Right. Reality is, though, it's misleading. The technology is so cool. And you do, you get lulled into this false sense of security. Yeah. I've been, I was driving a car just a few weeks ago and I thought, man, this is the best implementation of ADOS I've seen yet. And it was pretty slick. I mean, I, I could have forced myself, I, I, you know, my phone buzzes. I could have seen myself saying, yeah, maybe I should check that text. And right. we all know that if you disengage, if something happens, you yeah. need, I think, what they did a research study. You need like two to three seconds to reacquaint Reaction yourself yeah. to get back into situational awareness about what's going on. Yep. And by that time, whatever it is, it's too late. Yeah, you, it's too late. You're done. Well,
0: I mean, just the other day, Jay Huh posted a video, and he was coming back from Nashville in his Tesla, and he didn't realize that he had disengaged it, and ended up almost spinning it off the side of the road. Like, oh yeah, you know, he did, is that what
1: happened? He disengaged yeah. it and didn't yeah, realize like it. Oh, wow. He accidentally disengaged. I can't. Him. I can't deal with those systems. And, they and freak me out. It, you know, I, I remember. It's the corners. Or when somebody's like right here and then you have to make a turn and the car's staying centered. But you don't stay centered when you're driving. You lean a little to the left there and give yourself a little extra wiggle room. Not the car. The car's going to stay in the middle. And you're like, oh, <laughs> well, oh.
0: I, I, I want to say it was, it was either an Ian Levy class or I can't remember whose it was, but we were talking about ADOS and, and self-driving cars when they were first kind of coming onto the scene. And he was talking about Mercedes Benz and their logic of how do they decide, you know? Because the the question was raised: if there's a human being standing in the middle of the street and the car sees the opportunity to avoid the collision with the human being, is it and it drives you and your family off a cliff and kills you all? Like yeah. where Do you protect the driver? Or do you protect the pedestrian? Right. right. Where do, who makes that decision? And and the the conversation went around a room of some really brilliant minds. Of. Man, that th- there's no right answer. There's no right answer. That's right. Right, that's tough, and and you know it it shows you the ability of the human mind. I I, right. I think that's what's so amazing about all this is how fast the human mind thinks and how fast it reacts and the decision making time, and it's something we cannot teach AI. Not right? yet.
2: No, I, it's it's funny because uh, even just, it's been four or five years ago. I was talking to some of the automakers, and and they were telling me that you know one of the One of the challenges that they had was the car would do a pretty good job of following and, 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 you know, between radar and cameras, they could, they finally got to where they could tell the difference between a pothole, uh, cover and a small child and, you know, know when to go forward and stuff like that. But they said the thing that killed them was what they called the McDonald's turn. When you got a car in front of you that's turned halfway into the, into a parking lot because they're, they're waiting to go in, we see it, we understand it's there, uh, and we stop. And because we don't know if it's going to back, back out. We don't know what its intention is, right? And, and any of us driving would just look to our left, swerve around the car and 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 keep going.
0: That is a really Um, crazy point. And,
2: and the point of it is, is to, and I always, when I do these presentations to groups, I always say, when you're driving home tonight, Think about it for, for once. Think Mm -hmm. about your drive. It might be 10 minutes, might be an hour. Think about how many times you see a small child on the sidewalk and your mind says, okay, they're there. They're safe. They're not coming out. See somebody kicking a ball. Is that ball going to come out in front of me? Do I need to stop? Is there a dog? You know, what that we just see now the current technology? Can respond once it understands it, but we, we are, we are forward thinking that like five or 10 seconds ahead yeah. at any given time. We don't even think about that, but that's what we're yeah. doing. You know, when you take uh, motorcycle safety courses, they talk about this, uh, SIPTI thing that scan, interpret, predict, determine your strategy. And I forget the other one, but it's right. like you're constantly, and we all do that. We're, we're just driving. We don't even think about it, but we're yeah. always, Analyzing and thinking about what are we going to do if, what if, what if, what if, what if. And hopefully the what if never happens, but we're ready for it.
0: Exactly.
1: So the people that are developing this technology have it in their minds that they will be able to mimic what we do naturally well enough to make it safe and haven't given up to the point where, like, we're just going to, put it in set routes and pretty much block off the road and you can get in get on and get off like those uh tesla tubes that were yeah, a disaster in las vegas. vegas yeah that are super slow and inefficient <laughs> but you know they set something like that up and you know you pile everybody into the ev uh, into the, a completely autonomous vehicle and it shoots you down the tube or whatever and then you're on the other side it's whatever but there are no there are no children there are no little balls there's no right half person pulled into the McDonald's driver. There's, there
0: aren't any variables. Stop there. They're not going to. Well, and, and, and mechanical failures, right? Like on top right. of all that mechanical failures, I've got a, I've got a nephew who was uh in the army and he said that in uh basic training, they were in a, like an old, like Vietnam era <laughs> Huey or something. And he mm-hmm. said like, there's this hot something dripping down the back of my neck in the back. <laughs> and he's like, Hey, we're leaking something. And they're like, yeah, it's hydraulic fluid. Tell us if it stops dripping. You know? And they're like, hey, like, we know our our aircraft. We know, like, it's fine. As long as there's some in it, it'll keep dripping. As long as it doesn't stop dripping, we know that we're good. But if yeah. it stops dripping, we need to land, right? Well, I mean, the point is, is that car doesn't know that. And that automated technology doesn't know that. And I not that I would want to be on that helicopter but still my point is is that 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 human assessment of the situation right. had more value than any ai interaction at this point that we can think up could have right. because he can turn around and look and assess the situation and say yes or no safe. yeah we're good we're bad
2: yeah and and you know you bring up a good point too I don't know exactly what the investment is right now. I know it's dropped quite a bit in in AV. I mm-hmm. mean, there's still stuff going on, but a lot of it is, uh, to your point, more like the set route, autonomous yeah. routes and things like that, which might make sense. I don't know. But uh, one of the things, if you remember when they first started making a big deal out of this, they were going to talk about how safe it was and how many accidents it was going to avoid and all that. Well, guess what? With the advent of where we are with just ADAS... They've already recognized a whole lot of that safety, and so there are there is a discussion going on. I've heard it, you know, where they're saying it's going to cost another trillion dollars or so to try to it's solve really, this problem. Yeah. Have we already solved enough of it? Do we just let yeah. it alone for a while? And That's rate a really good
0: point. That is rate a, of
1: diminishing I had returns. Never yeah. thought about that. Good thing I brought it up. And of I'm course, and of
2: course, <laughs> n- the the new uh, focus is EVs. So they're putting a yeah. lot. They're diverting a lot of the investment that was yeah. going into AV and EV flying and, avs
1: make more sense to me there's less stuff to get in the way yeah i mean have you
2: hang on just a until second. you land one landing landing and takeoffs the only bad thing about a flying
0: look, craft anyway look all right you ever heard of this app it's called flight aware and you say there's less things to get in the way once you get to a certain height like the only thing you gotta avoid
1: is birds dude my and goodness. buildings i guess but it depends on where you're at
0: okay I just want to point this out to you. Right there is Dallas-Fort Worth right Yeah,
1: great. Those are 32,000 feet in the air. And as long as you stay away from the airport, like, what are you going to run into? I'm just surprised that there aren't more airplanes uh, eating geese and landing in the Hudson. Like, you would think that would be a regular occurrence, but apparently it's not.
0: They have a very, very, very specific way they handle those things. It happens every day. What? It happens all the time. They eat birds. They eat yeah, birds. It's they just, hit birds. They but
2: not just not, not to the not to the point that the bird flames the engines out. But right. yeah, there, so what was
1: the difference between
0: the they well, had a big pack of birds that went in both engines at the same time? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was just a, that dark. was a
2: pretty unusual thing. But I, I right. agree
0: with you. It is it is amazing. You look at any major
2: airport. You know Dallas, Atlanta, Orlando. Yeah. You know yeah. L A. And it's amazing to me. I mean, we have really gotten that right because yeah.
1: it's super safe.
2: Super safe. I yeah. mean, I, I have no qualms if, at all about getting on a plane.
0: I, I think if the automotive industry, when it comes to safety profiles and protocols, as we move forward, I think that's the one place that we would have to really look heavily at yeah. and say, how did they achieve what they achieved? Now, where where,
2: where it kills them, (laughs) where it it kills the model is the price of that, right? Because what they, the way that they achieve what they achieved is they've got redundancy after redundancy. First of all, they've got they're taking one step that the automotive industry is getting closer to, and that is saying, we're not just counting on this sensor as a source of the truth and that one. We want you guys to correlate. We want you guys, we want you guys to agree. And if you don't agree, we're actually going to set a code and say, we think the calibration's off. I and mean, right. that, that day's coming. And we're going to yeah. get better about
1: that. Well, we got that but, in uh, electronic throttle bodies. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They've good, gotten good, super good reliable. Example. Yeah. But when that, when they don't agree, Then we're going to have a backup system that says, okay, now, can you agree? And so, and that's what every airplane has at least one redundant system for all that automation. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to drive the cost into the cars that, you know, it's going to be difficult to, uh, to justify, right? I mean, that's, that's where, that's where it's going to get
0: funky. Exactly. Ben? Thank you so much, buddy. This was yeah, awesome. It was, it was yeah. great. We'll, we'll have to, I want to come back and redo this or, or uh, rehash it again. In three years. Yeah. <laughs> we got to do that again. <laughs> It'll
2: be interesting. Absolutely. It will.
0: I
1: hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean easy to use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to GetShopware.com and see what I mean today. That's GetShopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.